Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, representing the nation of Israel, bearing responsibility for them, discerning God's will, ministering, and being holy. The purpose of the priest's clothes. Exodus 28 and 39. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. There's generally a blog post for each one of these lessons on my website, livethroughjesus.com, and all of the past studies are done in writing and available to purchase there for under $5. Since I'm writing as I go along, the current study may or may not be there quite yet, but it definitely will be available to purchase once all of the episodes for it are complete. I'll try to let you know, but you can also just check the website periodically, maybe each week when a new blog post comes out. If you'd like for me to email you whenever a new blog post or a new study comes out, then email me at Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com and I'll put you on the email list. Okay, so now that all of that's out of the way, let's get started on this week's lesson. On the last episode, we talked about the courtyard and how it was made for the Israelites because they were not allowed into the tabernacle. And then the rest of the episode, we just talked about the degrees of closeness to God and how they were only allowed as far as the tabernacle door. And then the priests were only allowed as far as the veil to the most holy place. And only the high priest was allowed behind the veil, but then only once a year. And so we talked about Jesus being our high priest and just how much better he is than the high priest that was only allowed behind the veil once a year and how much more perfect his sacrifice was for us. And so if you happen to miss that episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to it because it really helps us to understand Jesus and who he is to us so much better whenever we look at it in the light of the Old Testament. Now, today we're going to talk about the priest's clothes. And that may not sound like a really interesting topic, but it really is and has a lot of application for us today. So I'm going to start by reading Exodus 28, 1 through 5. And that's about all we're going to read today. The rest of it, I'm just going to describe to you. But I want you to hear what God says to Moses about the priest's clothing before we get into each piece and what its purpose was. So this is Exodus 28, 1 through 5. And it says, Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that they may minister to me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments which they shall make. A breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. 
So the first thing I want you to notice is that God chose Aaron to be the high priest and he chose his sons to serve under him as priests. And this was not a voluntary employment. God appointed them to this profession and they really had no choice in the matter. So Aaron and his sons were the priests that God appointed for the children of Israel. And now I want to read you what it says in Hebrews 5, 1 through 10 about the priest that God appointed for us. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. But of this he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So that's what I was just talking about, that no man takes this honor for himself. He's called by God. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayer and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So even Jesus, it says, did not glorify himself to become high priest, but God said, you are my son, you are a priest forever. So God is the one that calls us to serve him. And he establishes the requirements of the service of the priests. And he also gave them their own uniform. And I just want you to think about uniforms for a moment because they're really important. We use them in our culture too. And one thing that uniforms do is distinguish between professions. If you look at a police officer, you know he's a police officer just because of the uniform that he wears. If you look at a man in the military, you know that he is in the military by the clothes that he wears. So first of all, uniforms distinguish between professions. They also communicate how you are supposed to address the person that's wearing them. You would address a police officer differently than you would address a construction worker or a plumber. They have different levels of authority, and so they would be addressed differently. And so listen to what God says about the priest's uniforms. This is verse 2. It says, they shall be made for glory and for beauty. And so their uniform exhibited the importance of their ministry. That's the glory. And then they also reflected the beauty of God. And this demonstrated to everyone that they should be treated with honor as Israel's representatives and as the Lord's servants. So as we talk about their uniforms today, I want you to think about what the purpose of each one of these pieces are and what God is trying to convey with their uniform to the people. 
Now, also in this passage, it talks about how God has filled with the spirit of wisdom those gifted artisans that he's chosen to make these clothes. God is going to give a specific pattern for each piece of clothing. And thankfully, he's equipped specific people with the skill that they need in order to make these garments exactly as the Lord wants them made. And so let's go ahead now and we'll talk about each piece of clothing, what they looked like and what their purposes were. The first thing that it talks about is what he calls the ephod. And this is not a word that we use now, but this is basically a vest that the high priest wore. It was made of linen and it seems were at the shoulders and it was basically just something that came up from the shoulders and then down the back and then around the waist, had a band around the waist. And in this linen vest was woven blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, but also they hammered gold into thin sheets and cut it into threads and they wove the gold into the garment along with the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. And you can just see how adding the gold makes him look so much more important. And it's an extra little detail that takes a little bit more time and just makes it that much more valuable. And then on the shoulders of this vest were two onyx stones and on the stones were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so on one shoulder would be six names and on the other shoulder is the other six names. And they're written in birth order. And then these stones are set in gold and they're attached to the shoulders of the ephod. And the purpose of these names being on the shoulder of the high priest was to remind him that he bore the weight of Israel on his shoulders in the presence of the Lord. So we talked a moment ago about how this is an honorable position, but with this honor comes great responsibility because he bears the weight of Israel on his shoulders. Now we're going to talk about that a little further later, so keep that in mind. But we're going to go ahead and go to the next piece of clothing. They talk about this in Exodus 28, 15 to 30, and also 39, 8 through 21. And this is called the breastplate of judgment. And so what this was is a pouch that hung from the gold settings that were in the ephod with a gold chain. And also from underneath the pouch to the bottom of the ephod was blue lace to hold this pouch on. And it was made out of the same material as the ephod. And it says it was a span square. And back in those days, their measurements were not exact. Much of the time, they would use parts of the body to measure things. And so a span was the distance between the tip of the thumb to the tip of the pinky when the hand was spread out. And so a normal man's hand, that would be around nine inches. That's how they would measure it. So this is a pouch that's about nine inches square. And it has four rows of three stones across it. And on the first row was a sardius stone, a topaz, and a carbuncle. Now, some of these stones are not stones that we're familiar with now, so we're not exactly sure what they look like. 
And I definitely don't know what a carbuncle is. So some of these are going to be like that, but others we do know what they are. Now, the second row held an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. On the third row was jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And then on the last row were beryl, onyx, and jasper stones. And all of these stones were set in gold, and they each had the name of the 12 tribes of Israel engraved on them also. And so this pouch hung on the chest of the high priest, and it was to show that he also bore the weight of Israel on his heart. Again, take note of that because we'll talk about it a little bit later. Now, inside the pouch were what they called the Urim and the Thummim. And these names were literally meant lights and perfections. And so their purpose was for perfect revelation, perfect light from God. Whenever you have light, it reveals things. You can see them now. So this is giving the picture of perfect revelation from God. And nobody knows exactly what these stones look like or how they worked, but they were used to understand the decisions of God. The pouch is called the breastplate of judgment or decision. This breastplate holds the decisions of God, the verdicts of God. The best we can figure out, they would throw these Urim and Thummim and God would answer their question by making it land a certain way. And this would tell them the answer. The usage of these two items is only mentioned like four times in the rest of the Bible. And they do not explain exactly how they worked only that they revealed the decisions of the Lord. And so I'm going to read you those four places so that you can have a better picture as to what they use these things for. So the first one is in Numbers 27, 21, and it says, He shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, he and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. And so Eleazar is the high priest at this time. And they said that he will ask the Lord and God will give the decision by the Urim. And it seems that the decision here is, should they leave or should they stay? It says, at his word, they shall go out and at his word, they shall come in. And so most likely the questions that they were asking were kind of yes or no questions, one decision or the other. The next place is 1 Samuel 28, 6, and it says, When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord didn't answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. So that just tells us that the Urim could have given an answer to Saul, but God chose not to. Now, these next two say about the same thing. The first one is found in Ezra 2, 63. And it says, the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things till a priest could consult with the Urim or Thummim. So they don't eat of these things until they ask God and God reveals the decision to them by the Urim and Thummim. And then Nehemiah 7.65 says the same thing. The governor said to them that they shouldn't eat of the most holy things till a priest could consult with the Urim and the Thummim. So again, we don't know exactly how it revealed the decisions of God. The best understanding that we have of this is found in Proverbs 16.33. And it doesn't specifically say Urim and Thummim, 
But it says the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. And so this seems to indicate that how God makes the lot fall reveals his decision. And that's the same type of thing that's happening here. So this pouch held the decisions of the Lord and all they had to do was inquire of God and then, like I said, most likely throw this thing or whatever and it would land and reveal the decision of God. So that's the second piece of clothing. It all kind of looks like one big piece. There's a band wrapped around the waist. It has two strips that go up the back over the shoulders and then hanging from those from a gold chain and blue lace is a pouch. And on his shoulders are two stones that have six names of Israel on them. And then on the pouch are 12 stones with the names of Israel on them. And inside that pouch are the Urim and Thummim, where the decisions of God are held. Now, the next piece of clothing was a long blue robe that he would wear underneath the ephod and the breastplate. And it seems that this robe was completely seamless and only had an opening for the head in the center. And then the opening was stitched around so that it didn't tear. And what was significant about this piece of clothing is that on the hem alternated pomegranates and bells. And these pomegranates were made of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. And the bells were made of gold and So all the way around the hem of the robe, it alternated pomegranate bell, pomegranate bell, pomegranate bell all the way around. Now, these bells jingled as the high priest walked around in his ministry. And as long as the bells were jingling, then the priest knew that he was doing his ministry and also that he was still alive when he went into the most holy place. Because remember, they could never go into the most holy place. And so if they heard that the bells stopped jingling, they would assume that the high priest had offended God in some way and that he was dead. The bells told everyone else that he was busy doing the ministry of the Lord and for the people. And there's nowhere in the Bible that tells us that this happened, but in the Jewish Talmud, they say that they would tie a rope around the ankle or the waist of the high priest whenever he would go behind the veil in case he did die so that they could pull him out since they couldn't go in there. And so He would want to make sure that he was busy behind the veil so that the people could hear the ministry bells ringing and know that he was still alive so they didn't try to yank him out by his ankles, right? And when I heard this, I thought about what if I had ministry bells and they rang as I was doing whatever ministry is that God called me to do. And I just wondered how much would they jingle? How busy am I about the Lord's business? If my bells only jingled whenever I was doing the ministry, would people hear them? Or maybe they would think my ministry was dead. We talked about last time how everyone doesn't have a ministry title in the church. But if you did hold a title in the church and the people could not hear your bells ringing, then that means you're not doing your ministry. And if you're not doing your ministry, then your ministry is dead and they don't want you there if you're not going to fulfill your job 
they want someone else that's going to prepare and work and do a good job at their ministry. And I just think God wants that for each one of us. God wants each one of us to be busy about his work, whatever it is that he's given us to do. We may have various things that we're doing for the Lord and for others throughout the days and weeks and months and years. But what if the bells only jingled while we were doing those things? It just makes me think I could do better. I want my ministry bells to jingle. I want people to know that I'm about the Lord's business. So maybe it's something that you need to meditate on yourself throughout this next week. How loud and how constant would your ministry bells be? Okay, and so it doesn't tell us a lot about the coat or the sash. It just says that he had a coat in checkered work of fine linen and an embroidered sash. That's really all we know about those two things. And then he also had a turban on his head that was made out of linen, and it had a gold plate on the front of it attached with a blue cord. And on this gold plate, it read, Holy to the Lord. And this was to remind them that God and the things of God are holy, and they should be treated as holy. Holy just means set apart for a specific purpose. And so Aaron is set apart for the purpose of this ministry. The holy things in the courtyard and in the tabernacle are set apart for God. The priests are set apart for God. And so all of these things are holy and God doesn't want Aaron or the priests or the people to forget this. And so on his head is written, holy to the Lord. And so all of that that we just described is the clothing of the high priests. And then in Exodus 28, 40, it begins to talk about the priests that worked underneath him. And so Aaron was the high priest at the time, and the priests that worked under him were his sons. And it says, For Aaron's sons you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them for glory and for beauty. So not only did the high priest have specific clothes, but so did the priests. They weren't as elaborate as the high priest's clothes, but they had a specific uniform also that they were supposed to wear. And then whenever Aaron died, one of his sons would take over as high priest and they would stop wearing the priestly clothes and they would wear the clothes of the high priest. So this didn't just belong to Aaron. It belonged to whoever the high priest was at the time. And it says that they had to wear these clothes every time they ministered, lest they die. This is very important. And it's because of what we talked about at the top of this, that uniforms are important. And we wouldn't treat a police officer the same if we saw him in his regular clothes and didn't see his badge. And we wouldn't expect that he should perform the duties of a police officer whenever he is just in his regular clothes on a Sunday, right? He's not acting as a police officer at that moment. He is a police officer, but at that moment, he's not acting as a police officer. He's just acting as a regular man. And so whenever the policeman does the police work, he needs to have his uniform on. And it's the same with these priests. Each piece of clothing had a specific purpose. And so they needed the clothes on to perform the purpose that they were there for. They also needed them on to distinguish them from other people and to demonstrate the importance of their service to the people and to the Lord. 
It also said that they needed to be wearing underwear. They need to have something on underneath this blue robe. And so these underwear were made out of linen also and reached, it says, from their hips to their thighs. So God got specific even down to their underwear. Pretty detailed. So now that we know what the clothes looked like and why they wore them, I want you to think about what people see when they look at you. Do you wear something figuratively that demonstrates to the world that you are Christian? We don't have a physical uniform that says, I'm a Christian, like they had a specific uniform that says they were priests. But does our outward appearance and our actions demonstrate to the world that we're Christians? Are we distinguishable from the world in any way? When people look at us, are they able to say, oh yes, I know she's a Christian because. Can they look at us and read holy to the Lord? That would be the question. Because remember, holy means set apart. So when they look at us, do they see that we are set apart for God? For whatever it is he has in store for us. Do other people know that? By looking at us, can they tell? I want to read you what it says in 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Be holy in your conduct. Let your conduct be set apart from the rest of the world. That other people know you are different. You are set aside as God's child. Listen to what Paul says about himself in Romans 1.1. Romans is a letter to the Roman church. And so Paul is introducing himself to the Roman church. And he says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. He's separated, set apart to the gospel of God. Let's even look up just a little bit further in the verse where he says he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. A bond servant was a willing servant, a servant that had the opportunity to be set free and decided to stay and willingly serve whoever their master was because they received food, shelter, they liked the people, they were good to them, whatever the case may be, they willingly served that person. And so Paul is saying, God doesn't make me serve him. I willingly serve him. But he did call me to be an apostle. And that makes me separated to the gospel of God. Are we not all that? Are we not all set apart to the gospel of God, to the good news of Jesus Christ? Are we not all set apart for that purpose? We all should be bondservants of the Lord, set apart for the gospel. Be holy as he is holy. Next verse on this topic, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Therefore, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So if we are sons and daughters, then we need to separate ourselves from the world and not touch unclean things. Stay away from the things that are not of God. The things that could defile us and taint us and distract us from him. Set yourself apart as one of God's children. It says here, he will be your father and you will be his child. Okay, so remember I told you at the start, keep in mind how he bore the weight of the Israelites on his shoulders and over his heart. 
And I said that the high priest did have the weight of the nations on his shoulders. But what we also have to remember is that since God called him to bear that weight, God gave him the strength to carry it. God enabled him for that responsibility. And through Jesus, we can carry whatever is placed on our shoulders too. Listen to what it says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. This is so helpful because sometimes the weight of this world just feels like too much. Being responsible for ourselves is enough, much less being responsible for someone else, right? And this is what Jesus says to the people in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke literally would go on the shoulders of a man. And so that would be very heavy if you had a log across your shoulders and you were pulling a plow. But Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not heavy for him. The burdens that we have in this life, they're not too heavy for God. And so what responsibility do you have on your shoulders today? What weight is pushing you down? Just as God enabled the high priest to carry the weight on his shoulders of an entire nation, Jesus says, we don't even have to carry the weight. We can just give it to him. Whatever our weight is that's on our shoulders, we don't have to carry it. We don't even have to be strong enough because we can just give it to Jesus who is. It's easy for him. It's not a burden to him. It's too much for us. So that's the first thing. You know, whenever I first heard about him bearing the weight of an entire nation on his shoulders, I thought that's too much. I wouldn't want that. And then I think, no, whatever God gives me to bear on my shoulders Whatever responsibility, whatever weight I have to carry, he will help me. I don't have to carry it. I can hand it to him and he will take it. So that's a huge relief. But now I want you to imagine this high priest dressed in honor and beauty, standing tall, carrying the entire nation of Israel on his shoulders. I want you to imagine being Israel and looking at that high priest and knowing that he bears your weight on his shoulders before the Lord. And not only that, but looking at him, you can see that you're always on his heart. When he enters the presence of the Lord, you are on his heart. A pastor once told me that the greatest thing that you can do for another person is to speak his name in the presence of the Holy Father. And that's what the high priest does. He is their representative. It's his life's work to speak these people's name in the presence of the Lord and to minister on behalf of these people. And so when I'm thinking about this, my first thought is, oh, I wish I had a high priest like that. I wish I had someone whose sole job it was to minister on my behalf. And then I remembered, I do. I have Jesus. Jesus is ministering on all of our behalves continuously. It's his life work. That's what he does for us. I want you to hear what it says about Jesus in Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. Now, this is the main point of the things that we are saying. We have such a high priest who's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Jesus is our high priest and he sits at the right hand of the throne of the Father of Majesty. 
and he ministers there in God's presence, in the most holy place, not in a tabernacle that the people made, but in the heavenly realms, in the majesty of the heavens, in the presence of the Lord, he ministers for us. So we do have someone ministering on our behalf. We don't need the high priest like they had anymore. We also don't need the Urim and the Thummim because we have the Holy Spirit to give us perfect revelation from God, right? The Holy Spirit reveals what the Word of God says. And when we pray to Him and we ask Him for wisdom, He reveals God's wisdom to us. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. This is the last passage that we're going to read. It says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Holy Spirit. His Spirit searches out all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that we freely be given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can we know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that they may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So the Holy Spirit is what gives us perfect revelation from God. The Spirit searches all things and knows the deep things of God. He knows the spiritual things the things that we can't know from a humanly perspective. That's why they needed the Urim and the Thummim because the answers from God were spiritual and they didn't know how to discern the spiritual things. And so God gave them a physical way to do that. But we have the Holy Spirit. So what they had in the priest and in the Urim and the Thummim, we don't need anymore. But what we do need to do is make sure that our ministry bells are jingling and that we dress the part, that we are worthy of the calling for which we've been called, as it says in Ephesians 4.1. Let me just read that to you. I told you that other one was going to be the last passage I read. But it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what Paul is telling the Ephesians that their calling was. And he says, walk worthy of that. Walk worthy of being called a child of God. Walk worthy of the name Christian, Christ follower. The requirements of being a Christian are that we follow Christ. 
So we need to walk worthy of that. Dress the part. The uniform is important. That's the message today. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how they finished building the tabernacle and the clothes for the priests and how the presence of the Lord came into the tabernacle as they put it up. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review. Leave me comments wherever you're listening. If you'd like to email me, my email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Thanks and have a good day. Thank you.